Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Best not to have eyelashes because they brush against cheek. They do brush against the glasses, you know, when they get particularly long, I'll give them a little trim. <laughs> Cat's whiskers. Pull your glasses out a little. I'm lying, like. Yeah. That was very quick. <laughs> very quick to share that as a potential thing. Um, hello, everyone. It's the Red Bed Originals podcast. I'm Paul Machen, Chris Page, Chloe Bloxham, Dan Club uh, with me for this one. Uh, yeah, as well as discussing the, the at times horrendous impact of a long eyelash on, uh, on glasses wearers, um, we are going to be going back to the dim and distant past of midweek last week uh, and Liverpool's last game of football, uh, which was the win over Fulham in the AFL Cup first leg semi final. Final. Uh, I have not once said those words in the correct order in a week and a half of talking about that game, by the way. I've thrown all kinds of those words in random orders. It does beg the question why are we still talking about that game? Because um we are on the we are on the break and we haven't discussed it on the podcast yet. So here we are. Um and what else are we gonna do? How much I've got no idea. Chris, I, did, I did think I was like, well we should probably discuss something else. I was like, oh, then we'll just have to think of something how, to talk about. how many legs or how much legs have we got in the being a bit annoyed at Mo Salah equalising uh, with a penalty in Afcon. Uh, we'll definitely do that a bit later on. Uh, yeah we're gonna do full but more a jumping off point to talk about some of the players who performed and maybe didn't perform in that game and what's to come for them in the coming weeks as well um, and yeah we're going to talk about a bit about uh, Sven Goran Eriksson's obviously uh, rather sad announcement um, we're going to be doing a little bit on AFCON a bit on a couple of the youth players who've been recalled or loaned out uh, but first before we do just want to draw your attention to the fact that we have added a third date to our official Redmen TV tour. We are going to London on the 24th sorry, of April. Uh, we're at the Indigo at the O2, uh, which is very exciting because I had to double check that. Uh, for anyone of a certain age, what is the O2 in London? Uh, it used to be a big fucking... The Millennium Dome. Uh, Millennium yeah. Dome. Yeah. The Millennium Dome. Anyone go to the Millennium Dome? No. Never. Anyone in the comments? I mean, this is before you, you weren't even born. No, Chloe. I feel like you should go on about that. Do you know, you you know, know what the Millennium do- dome, dome is? No. What? Never seen it. No. Big white dome it's thing. The mad, it's the Mad Dome Arena in London. You will surely all be aware of the... Of, no. There's a big it's dome the arena in London now. Abba play there every night, don't they? It's a different one. <laughs> it's, the O2, it's the O2 arena in, in London now, but it used to be called the Millennium Dome because it was built to celebrate the Millennium. And oh, it, is that why it was called the Millennium Dome? Wow. And, but it was, that, it was home to what you call... Um, 
edutainment. So you go, it was meant as this big tourist attraction in the country. And we were going down once with my family and it was a bunch of like, and here's a giant table football table. But the moral of the story is everyone's got to work together to win. Fuck off. It was a, it was a huge. Sounds like the science place of Pleasure Island. It was a bit like that. It was a bit like the science place of Pleasure Island. There's another reference. Do you know what Pleasure Island was? Jesus Christ. I mean, wouldn't it be better if it was a hanger for the life-size Millennium Falcon? Yes, infinitely better. <laughs> infinitely That's what better. they should have spent the That's what they should have done. Star Wars wasn't as cool back then, was it? Um, anyway, yeah, we'll we're, we're playing there one. on the 24th of April. That's what I was talking about. Uh, you can go to AXS.com, search Redmen, and the tickets will come uh, up on there, uh, as I have evidence for anyone who's watching on YouTube uh, right now. If we've... There we go. Um, and also, obviously, we're going to Belfast and Dublin as well. You can get them on Ticketmaster.ie. Just search, or you just search Redman TV Live and just hope for the best on Google. Um, but yeah, really, really good stuff. We've got Keo with us as well. So yeah, yeah, we've got we've got some actual talents alongside um, me, alongside Chris hmm. um, and Steve. Um, so yeah, come and join us. It promises to be very, very good fun as well on a Wednesday, on a wild Wednesday I can in Mr. Wednesday. Mr. Wednesday night. Yeah, absolutely. Turn it on. Um, right. Okay, sad. Uh, right, let's dive into it then. So, Liverpool 2, Fulham 1. If anyone can actually remember this game, because it does feel like a lifetime ago. Um, Dan, it was just a tricky test. Ultimately, I think there was something to that game where it's Fulham. And I, we were talking, the, the three of us, we were heading towards that game about what the atmosphere would be like and there being something about the fact that they gave us a tough game before yep. Christmas actually probably helped sharpen the minds a little bit for it. I thought Liverpool, despite the fact that they obviously didn't break the deadlock, I thought they started the game really well. Um, and the goal was a little bit of like a, a bit of a sucker punch. Yeah, I thought that as well, to be honest with you. I was relatively at peace and comfortable with Liverpool's first half performance. I've seen a lot of negativity um, sort of in the aftermath. because you're a social media manager. Yeah, that is a point. Yeah, yeah, that is a very good point. Yeah, but I just felt like everyone went a little bit overboard, really. And I think we lacked a little bit of cutting edge. I think we lacked a little bit of sharpness in the final third, especially. But for the most part, particularly the first 45 minutes, when obviously we went in 1-0 down, felt like we were in the ascendancy. We were dominating possession. We had loads of the ball in their final third. Just for whatever reason, it wasn't quite clicking. I sort of put it down to a bit of not being on the same wavelength certainly on that right hand side, side triangle where you've normally got Trent, Salah, Sabozlai who just work in unison so well all of a sudden it was Conor Bradley, Gravenberch and Elliot and they weren't quite clicking yeah. so I wasn't overly concerned with it it felt like if we did something similar in the second half results would come and obviously that's how it turned out I thought we were shit in first exactly. half I'll, I'll, stand, I'll stand exactly. up for the Twitter fans I am with I will stand up for the Twitter I just felt we would look tired more than anything yeah. not like we were particularly bad in any way shape or form but like like, I could have. I didn't go on Twitter. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, I was at the game for you a start. You were in the Kenny. It was in the Kenny. <laughs> I was basically. I lived in Twitter for forty-five minutes. <laughs> um, didn't need to go online, but no, I just thought we were we were a bit slow in yep. anything we did. You know, just a bit lackadaisical in the top end of the pitch and stuff. And I thought it was a really disappointing first half performance. Because I remember us talking about it yeah. the next day, and I was like, "It's funny, isn't it? You can just watch two separate games of footy, can't you? Two people, because we basically had the same view." Mm. You you yeah. were in the lower Kenny, I was in the upper Kenny, and I've come away with a completely different f- 
thought about the first half. I get it. It was far from perfect. And I get the point on being slow, especially like I say, when it got down to the business end of the pitch, it definitely wasn't clicking. It was a little bit passive at times. Again, like there's a couple of moments we spoke about where the ball could have gone quicker. I think one in particular springs to mind when Elliot had sort of made an arc and running behind yeah. him, McAllister didn't release it. That was a little bit frustrating, but I've seen horrendous halves of football from the football club down the years, and that wasn't one of them for me. It was just okay. I agree with that. And it's interesting, Chloe, because it was one of those where we were all in different parts. Well, you know, you guys are in the same stand, but different different parts. I was in the upper Annie, uh, which has got a fabulous view, by the way. But yeah, obviously, you were in the cop as pair. All of the action that happens again always ha- it happens down the opposite end. So you've come away feeling Liverpool were crap in the first half as well. Yeah, it like you mentioned there, it just felt really slow and lethargic at times. And look, that could be down to playing so many games and maybe a little bit of a rotated side. It wasn't that much of a rotated side. It looked a great side. I was actually surprised when you know Canate started. I thought, wow, he's he's pushed Canate to go again. Um, but yeah, the I just felt like we couldn't break them down. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Virgil van Dijk came out and moaned about Manchester United and how there was only one team who wants to win that game. I'm not asked because, of course, Fulham put 11 men behind the ball. It's down to Liverpool to figure out a way to break that that block in front of them and I just don't think there was enough energy in there there wasn't enough movement you know we wanted a couple too many touches and the only real chances I can remember is maybe a Curtis Jones shot from the Annie Road end and it's the first time he's got a little bit of space but it's still outside the box where he can shoot and it just felt like Liverpool needs to speed it up a bit needs to be a bit sharper it doesn't help that the goal was horrific by the way that they've scored Um, you know Liverpool just don't deal with it time and time again and that was right in front of me so maybe that's yeah. why um, but yeah from the other side of the pitch it just felt like we weren't uh, quick enough on the ball and, and with movement and getting in between the lines but obviously in the second half that did change and we were much much sharper and much much quicker my thing was because this is the problem when you start to, when you end up in these debates it's almost like it's like I'm not saying it was brilliant <laughs> I'm not like I'm not going to go to bat for that first half Liverpool performance by, by any stretch but I was just fine with it you know they were ticking along all right and I, I think that right hand side disjointedness was the, was the, the key to it because it was a bit like Connor Bradley was like well I'm a, I'm a flying right fullback so I'm just going to get up and down all day long if you want to get me the ball I'll, I'll, get, I'll get to the byline and I'll whip it in and then basically Harvey Elliott and Ryan Gravenberch were doing like a, a Luke Skywalker and Yoda thing where they were basically one was on the other one's shoulders they desperately wanted to be in the same area of the pitch and um, and then I, 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 something in, in the midst of that of like when there's someone who's near you who's moaning about stuff that I don't think requires that level of moan, it does also make me kind of go a the bit the other way. way. So there was yeah. a guy who was slaughtering Harvey Elliott behind me, and I was like, he's not the one who needs slaughtering in, in and amongst that. It was Gravenberch for me. He was the one who looked miles off miles off what yeah. we were trying to do. Um, so I was again, it was taking along okay, and then they scored, and it was like, oh, right. I didn't really thought what will happen if they managed to get something down the other end. It just felt like we were just going to sit and watch Liverpool generally build towards a goal and probably score a goal. Um, So we did, I don't know, we made it harder where it didn't need to be, but I was nowhere near as down in the dumps about the the first half as as whatever. Um, Talking about some of the performances then, um, Conor Bradley, while we're on it, Chloe, Brilliant. Unbelievable. Uh, and to sum up his night, he's on the sideline getting some jealous Jürgen Klopp's having a word with him and Fulham have kicked off and he just lobs Klopp out the way, <laughs> runs on the pitch and wins the ball back for us and puts it on a plate for Darwin Nunes, who I think is a bit unlucky with the finish. Um, 
But yeah, he, he the tenacity of him. He was absolutely shattered, but he was just going and going again. He he got every last bit out of him in that game. He gave everything. Um and yeah, what what a superb performance by him. He really stepped up. He was our creative spark as well. You know, we talk about Trent, he is the most creative lad in our in our entire team. Um and to miss him, but then have Connor Bradley who was doing brilliant defensively. He pocketed William, by the way. I know William gets a goal and he's a little bit unlucky. He kind of just gets brushed to the floor for their goal. But 1v1s, William didn't stand a chance. He was winning the ball back time and time and time again. Um, and going forward, he, he was superb as well. So I absolutely loved his performance. There was a point on, I think it was about 75 minutes, where we had a corner and he's on his hands and stretching out his, his calves and his hamstrings and stuff on the floor, basically. And I was looking and thinking, there's 15 minutes to go here, lad. Like, this is not a good thing. He, he's never run that much in his life, has he? And then I don't know whether he gave the free kick away or somebody else gave the free kick away late. Right at the end it was him. He looked like me after about three hours after I've had a really heavy curry. Like he couldn't fucking walk, you know what I mean? Shades of our uh, five-a-side <laughs> yeah. tournaments yeah. in the <laughs> summer. Yeah. Walking around like that. After the like, first oh game. God, yeah. how are you managing to do this, lad? Yeah. He was... He was the words you know, Chloe used it they're unbelievable for a lad to come in and replace Trent Alexander-Arnold and put in that level of performance don't get me wrong we 100% miss Trent Alexander-Arnold and that's what we were missing in the first half yeah. more than anything it was mm-hmm. someone to just break the play wide open and, and switch the field and you know obviously Virgil wasn't able to play balls over the top to Mo Salah and then Trent going it was probably one creative influence too many for us to lose mm-hmm. in a game but he did a job up and down that right hand side I was just thoroughly impressed it was the, it's the stupid moments like the ones that don't that are the headline moments because you can, you can call back to tackles or shots or whatever it was the moments where it was a 50-50 and he was in a foot race to get the ball and he got it mm. and you know how many times he ended up in those foot races with William I know William's in his mid-30s now and he's obviously well past his, his prime but he's still lightning he's a good player he's, yeah, and he's, he is a good player and he's still very very quick and that is one of the things that I think is, is huge he, he's deceptively fast and I'm a little concerned sometimes when you bring lads in and, you, and I think we, you do this with young players because you go oh, look at the talent that they're bringing to the side you know really great technicians and all of a sudden you get a couple to, in and then you realise you, you don't realise until it's too late that you've lost all your pace so actually having that as an asset is such a huge thing that's such a difference maker I've seen lots of young footballers come and go you know, get a handful of appearances for the Reds and move on and ultimately because they didn't have that physical gear to go to so to actually see that he's got that I was just quietly impressed by a bunch of random stuff in the middle of the park where he was just beating people to it more than more than anything so yeah very very encouraging and mm. Dan it's, it's a big week, few weeks for him really you know yeah. we're going to talk about um, Calvin Ramsey in part two and we'll talk about what we're doing with the fullbacks in general mm-hmm. but this is just an opportunity for him. Yeah, massively so, yeah. And I, I was equally as impressed as everyone was, really, in his performance. I thought it was full of endeavour, full of desire, full of quality as well, moreover. And the use of him I find quite fascinating because it would be easy to sort of have a young right-back. And obviously replacing Trent is not impossible. He is irreplaceable in what he brings to any football team, let alone Liverpool. But the use of him in that game, particularly in the second half by Klopp, is fascinating to me because he's clearly got a lot of trust in him and his ability because he allows him to go very high up and do that sort of stuff. He allows him to come inside and do a little bit of the inverted stuff as well, which I wasn't sure whether he would do or not because he did it in pre-season in Germany especially. And you thought, okay, that's interesting. Will that translate when it comes to the competitive stuff further down the line? And this is a Carabao Cup semi-final. 
middle and he's letting Connor Bradley do a lot of the attacking stuff that Trent does very dissimilar in the, in the style and stuff like that but in terms of positionally it is sort of the same so Klopp clearly rates him very highly clearly has a very high opinion of him so it's a massive couple of weeks for him um, and I don't really doubt and it's fascinating how football is perceived because I remember just a few weeks prior to that it was him and Luke Chambers both played in the Union game and we both hung them out well, everyone hung them out to dry basically both of them because they weren't good enough they weren't at it all of a sudden the cameo against Arsenal and that performance against Fulham and he's the best thing in sliced bread so it's one of them but I was seriously impressed and I think he will lay a bit of a, a marker down when it comes to the Calvin Ramsey stuff because Ramsey hasn't enjoyed a good time at Preston clearly and I think Conor Bradley it's his shirt now that yeah. back up to Trent spot essentially and I think he's going to prove that over the next few weeks well, as well it was interesting Chloe, because Owen Beck's on the bench there you could quite easily have just switched the fullbacks over. You know that would have been a really easy thing to do. You know, as Chris pointed out, he's just done. It wasn't as no. I, I didn't notice it during the game, and then you watch the highlights back, and you watch the match. I watched the I watched the, like the last half an hour back when I got in, and yeah, he's <laughs> he's done. He is he is. He even said at point. one point, "I'm not coming off." Even speaking to yeah. Klopp in that conversation, "I'm not coming off." Yeah, so that just shows you his, yeah. his heart again. But Liverpool wasn't like we'd use our, all of our substitutes up. You know, there was a, there was an opportunity there to, to, to take him out of the firing line. And I actually think it goes back to Dan's point there. That trust is huge. Yeah, it is. And he's proven it with performances. I mean, we referenced the Arsenal game there. Martinelli, you know, was having quite a decent time against Trent. Um, and we just moved Trent further up the pitch a little bit in that kind of six role. Uh, put Conor Bradley on and, and Martinelli could, didn't see that ball again because every time he, it was at his feet, it was getting taken off him. Um, and that's uh, one of the best wingers in the Premier League right now. Um and I say that his stats aren't good this season and let's hope they stay that way. But still, um, it's Martinelli that he's doing that to yeah. and now he's done it again to Willian, who's technically a superb player. Um, and they both like to cut inside. They both have pace and he can deal with that. He's shown that. And the, the only thing when I think of him and I look at him, I think, oh, he might be a bit too skinny in a way. But he, he shows that he actually does have, you know, the, the strength. And if you could make, you know, what we did with Trent, where we made him and we got him the body where he looks like a warrior, like we can do that with Bradley as well. And hopefully that comes on even more. So, yeah, um, he's had brilliant cameos. And I was one of them when they did play in the Union single war one, where I was just like, he's like, this is a, really a team of youngsters. Yeah. You, can't, you can't just throw them in and just absolutely uh, lob all the criticism of them. It was a very, you know, changed team. Um, so I, I, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt and that's because he's a young lad yeah. and look at the, ta the talent is clearly there. Liverpool need to make sure though that we don't overplay him because we've done that with Stefan Bajetic where we really need to rely on him and look at where that's got us. So we've got to make sure that we manage Conor Bradley really well. I think, I think part of that managing Conor Bradley well was the fact that Klopp did push Canate into the start 11. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's a massive thing that, you know, uh, you know, would he, would he have played as well with someone less senior inside of him? Probably mm. not. So, again, kudos to Klopp for that one. Mm, yeah, completely. Just to reiterate what you guys are saying about the Arsenal, because obviously I wasn't here for, for, for the podcast last week, but I just I, I, he was one of the real bright spots of that, of that game for me. I've, I've come in, and you're right, there's a real fear around, around have we just capitulated here? Have we given up on the chance of putting our best possible, keeping our best possible 11 on the pitch? And my, I, I've not seen enough of Bradley to know 
what he is and the concern is that well I mean all the talk was he was playing full back but he was seen as a, a right mid slash right winger more than anything else and we were converting him back and when you hear converted back all I think of is Stuart Down and playing left back for us or you know even Trent playing right back that you know what you're going to get going front foot but are they leaving the, the back door open a little bit but actually it was almost like he, he saw that as a challenge and he wrote the Martinelli stuff he did he really really did very very encouraging um, on that one Let's do it then another week. Let's have another Darwin Nunes chat. Um, right now, Chris Pajak, no one in this team has more assists in all comps this season than Darwin Nunes with it's mad, 10. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and just for clarification, is he level with Salah? Or, uh, Salah's or... got nine, I think. Okay, because normally you would say he's top, like, but no one's got more suggests someone's level with him. <laughs> it's the way it's said sometimes, the six isn't it? lads on ten. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> that's a man who's handed a lot of very false compliments out of his life. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It's like, yeah, someone says like that, I'm like, okay, just checking. Um, the narrative's changed, hasn't it, in, what, two weeks of this sort of striker where everyone seems to be getting on his case um, and now he's, the, you know, the sort of creator and stuff. But again, I think it's it's how Liverpool and, and Jürgen are utilising him at the moment, which is getting the best out of him. You know, I know there's conversations to be had about impact, sub and all this type of stuff, but right now he's getting into the positions. He's not finishing, obviously, Andrew Beasley's just put a stat out there that Gakpo, Diaz and Jota have had the same amount of... Um, clear-cut chances. I think it's 29 between them and scored 14 goals. He's had 29 clear-cut chances and scored four goals, I think it is. Um, So that's not great reading, but actually when you look at what he's doing for the side in terms of creating, getting assists, you know, know, the winning goal he creates uh, the other night against Fulham, he is having an impact on games. Um, And if you believe everybody who, who looks at the numbers and thinks about the numbers, you know, what he's putting in in terms of XG is world-class striker status. He's just not getting the goals yet, but everyone who, who's into the numbers says it's going to come. Um, hopefully it does, because if it does, he, he will be unstoppable. Well, it's interesting because I think we had this conversation two weeks ago on here, Dan, and like, I think the point I was making at the time was Salah's the guy who's getting all your goals. Mm-hmm. No, no other team has got a, an additional 20-plus goal a season forward. So provided that he's still churning away and being being creative in that role where the Emil Heskey analogy came from is that it's kind of okay this is the beginning of the real test because Mo Salah's not there but actually what happened was he just laid on goals for someone else instead and you know and actually Cody Gakpo ended up being the beneficiary of the chaos that Darwin Nunes posed yeah it's an interesting one obviously he's essentially he's a huge part of the reason why we changed that game around um, his impact on that is of the clear for to see but it's a fascinating conversation I, I, I've often wondered whether we need to sort of change our perspective what we view him as because obviously we kind of just we viewed him for a long time as a nine and just a striker who needs to score the goals but is he just another one of our forwards who can provide stuff as well but it all boils down to the fact that the frustration doesn't go away and it stems from missing those big chances because ultimately if he wasn't getting into all the positions that he does and getting on the end of all these chances you wouldn't have to have the conversation if he was just assisting people and every now and then chipping in with goals like Cody Gakwa does in a similar sort of vein you'd go oh yeah what a lovely forward to have how boss is this but because he ends up squandering or missing or whatever it may be two or three big ones a game it feels like you have to have the negative side of it as well so it's a fascinating one I think 
in the Fulham game especially, yeah, I put it down as a bit of misfortune. His, his misses and not scoring, he probably deserved to get wrong in that no, game. No, he probably deserved to get on the score sheet once, probably twice. I think Burnt Leonard was was outstanding in the final half an hour to keep the score down. To be honest, but yeah, it's um it's a good conversation to be having, I guess. And Chris there saying obviously if he does start putting him in the back of the net, he will essentially explode. Let's hope that happens. But ultimately, right now, he is producing the goods in terms of impacting games of football in a positive sense of Liverpool. It's not like he's just, for instance, if Erland Haaland was to go on a dodgy run in terms of missing big chances in front of the goal, you'd have to look at him and go, what's he doing for the team? Yeah. We're not having that conversation with Darwin Nunes because it's clear to see what he is doing. Yeah, yeah that's problem? not right. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a mad one. and I think maybe the, the price just does not help him at all because if he was an 80 million, you'd all be sat there thinking... It'll come in time, but because you've spent so much and and it's Liverpool who it feels like you can't get an eighty mil player wrong, um, it, he's going to have a lot more criticism on him. What I would say is I don't know his best position, and that is my one problem. Is I, I don't, and maybe that's good. Maybe like versatility. We speak about you know some of the greatest players on the Jurgen Klopp having that versatility, and maybe that's good for him. It just doesn't seem like when you're supposed to be the number nine that versatility versatility is actually a really good thing for you because you're the one who's supposed to be getting the most goals um, but yeah he, he, his, his cutback for Cody Gappa was run that entire game he changed it you know he gave the Fulham defence something to think about uh, something different he kept going time and time again he'd run at them if it wouldn't go correct he'd run in behind instead and you know that, that chance where uh, Leno literally punches it and somehow punches it with one hand out of his own area is ridiculous and that was from a tight angle and we keep saying it from chances where it seems like he's got so little to think about he's incredible at but it's the chances where he has too much time and it's like it's almost like everything speeds up instead of slowing down and you're just having that little bit of composure but we've mentioned it time and time again if it clicks for Darwin Nunes we are scary we're already scary but if Darwin Nunes starts putting away these golden chances that fall at his feet every single game and that's a good thing that they're falling at his feet because he's doing the work to get in those positions but if they actually start it in the back of the net Liverpool could become unstoppable Can I pose a question because I saw our good mate Robbie Lyle um, involved in this debate uh, the other week and it was Darwin Nunes or Gabriel Jesus Oh, Darwin Nunes every title week Careful The uh, well, just, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, Everyone's saying everyone just, you know, keep, let me just keep all of the leashes a moment until I finish this I am just interested in the, in the sort of takes on this because what 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 Jesus is perceived as, and I, I'm seeing him get a, a big pass for his goal scoring. And look, he's had more injury issues. I, th- I think I'll double check that. Um, I think that I believe that to be the case. He's played less minutes, um, but he's seen as this creator. He's the one who knits it together. He's the one who's making it, making it happen for them, um, for Arsenal um, from the bench. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. For, for that, for that, for that team that can't score goals. When, when you say, yeah, exactly. When you're saying create, but Darwin one. Nunes is being slaughtered because he's missing chances. Um, I, I, I get the notion of what's being said, but I don't. I, I, I this is. I agree with the idea that Darwin Nunes is missing chances, and he's missing chances that he should be scoring. It's, there's a number of one-on-ones he's had in the last six, six weeks, two months that. Fernando Torres, Berries, or Robin Van Persie, Berries, or Michael Owen, Berries, or whatever. Take your pick of the elite centre forwards in the Premier League era, Aguero, whatever. Um, but at the same time, it's this assist thing for me. I mean, look at him right now, time recording, eight goals, which is not a great goal return for a number nine, um, but 10 assists. That's 
are we just are we maybe are we judging it? Are we judging them both by different by the wrong standards? Almost anyone and, uh, judging Jesus and him by the well, by yeah, different standards. Yeah, because Jesus isn't seemingly being judged for his goals. He's being judged yeah, for his creativity, to, but he's less creative. I think than it comes back Nunes. to what I think everybody thought Darwin Nunes was, yeah. and everyone thought yep. Darwin Nunes was going to score us thirty-five goals a season because that's what he did at Benfica before he signed for us. And he can do that, and he, and he probably can do it. He has the chances to score exactly. 40, 45 goals a season. Um, now. For me, you know, I, I, I've come on here many times and said I'd rather sing his name when he scores a goal than, than when he misses and stuff, and that stands true, but I, that doesn't mean I'm unhappy with the assists because the assists is just as important sometimes as the goals, isn't it? You know, Cody Gakpo getting that goal, absolutely superb, great finish. Do I think Darwin Nunes finishes that? No, I don't, to be honest with you. I think Cody Gakpo finishes it. So it's great to see Jürgen use him in a different way that might be get the be- may get the best out of him. The thing with Gabriel Jesus is, his problem is that there's three lads in the front line that don't score goals. Yeah. And when you're the lad that knitted together, you've kind of got to knit it to somebody. You know what I mean? Well, do you want to hear the volume to which he's knitted it together so far this season? <laughs> Go on, yeah. He's got seven goals. Oh, For anyone paying attention, that's one less uh, than, than than Darwin. He's got three assists so far this season as well. Now, I, I will caveat the use of goals and assists with the fact that Darwin, for a start, has played about 400 more minutes this season than Gabriel Jesus, mm-hmm. but also he's played in the Europa League and not the Champions League, which will help anyone. You know, that's why if you could, you could compare Cody Gakpo and his goal return, is better, he's better. got more goals than Jesus, but all his goals have come in the Cups this season pretty much. But that's the other thing why I choose Darwin Nunes is because Gabriel Jesus just seems like he picks up injuries every couple of weeks and it just does and they're not short term injuries from what I can remember the miss of for, for quite a couple of games they were playing with two tens uh, against us there's been times where they've had to lob Havertz up there which they clearly don't like doing because Arteta sees them as this kind of eight yeah. Um. so that's uh, I'm factoring also the fact that I, I think Gabriel Jesus's injury record isn't great. I know Darwin Nunes has picked up quite a few injuries since joining Liverpool, um, but it just seems like he misses an odd game or two here, where Gabriel Jesus feels like a longer stint out. Um, and look, he's he's clearly getting the goals, but for me, for what Liverpool are doing. It's Darwin Nunes because we've got Cody Gakpo, who we all thought was Firmino 2.0, but it's actually Cody Gakpo at times doesn't always fit our system. Darwin Nunes is actually Bobby Firmino 2.0. He's got more assists, I think, than Firmino <laughs> got in the 2018-19 season already. Right. You know, and that's seen as being one of Liverpool's best seasons. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 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 pulling down. Good goal scoring numbers, but his assist numbers are mad. You know, he, he's he's in the he's in the territory already of the numbers that Trent and Robbo were, were, were getting in the seasons where they were breaking records for full. Yeah. For full Just backs. does it in a very different way, doesn't he? Because for me, yeah. it was often that dropping yeah. deeper on the turn and laying it into Salah and Mane as off they went, which is what Gabriel Jesus is effectively trying to do for Arsenal, albeit the lads either side of him, Martinelli or Saka, who on their day, by the way, are brilliant. Neither of them are Sadio Mane nor Mohamed Salah, but they are very good footballers, but they're not at it. 
Therefore, Jesus' numbers have probably dipped as well, plus the injury stuff like that. But even so, even despite all that, two very different players in terms of stylistically, of course, because one wants to run in behind and make things happen all the time, the other one doesn't. But despite all that, Darwin Nunes wins that conversation for yeah. me. And there's loads yeah. of frustration around Darwin Nunes, of course there is, and you're absolutely right. Everyone here is frustrated with his big, missing big chances, and it has cost Liverpool already in this game, in this season rather. Who knows, it may well go on to do so as well. But right now, for what Darwin Nunes is bringing to Liverpool, it's an absolute no-brainer for me. Could you imagine, though, if he starts putting those big chances away and he is still racking up those assists? Because it's not like he's not... It's not like him assisting is hindering his chances. No, the the two separate things. He's still having so many chances. He's just not burying them. So imagine his stats if he actually started to bury the massive chances that fall at his feet. Um, like, his stats would be ridiculous by now. He should have it. And just by brilliant goalkeeping in the last probably three games, I think there's probably been three chances there that are just absolutely magnificent goalkeeping that have denied him. Now, again, this doesn't excuse the, the so-called simple ones where he's he's got all the time, he's burst through the middle, he's one-on-one, just slot it and take the goal and, and run away. They're things to be worked on. But I like the fact that there's a frustration almost because, it, because it's mad. It talks about standards. Where I don't see enough frustration with the rivals, you know, I don't see that. I, I'm I'm quite pleased that there's frustration because it says we know he's better. We know there's more to come. If there's more to come from Darwin Nunes, then we're gonna be amazing, <laughs> you know. If if that actually happens at any point, because my point is, if he just carries on like he is right now, we'll probably be fine anyway. But if he actually manages to start becoming a little bit more lethal in front of goal, then we're going to be fucking unstoppable. Mm. So, yeah, for me, it's it's Nunez all did, day. It's did you see him in the tunnel after the game, after the Fulham game, when he basically said in Spanish um, that the ball just won't go in? He has a brother, I don't know who he's speaking to, he said the ball just won't go in. So there's a definite frustration there on his yeah. part that for whatever reason, seemingly no matter what he does at the moment, he could strike the ball as pure as you like and he could get his finish spot on, but the keeper is somehow denying him. So he's just going through a little bit of a sticky patch. But if his sticky patches come with assists and influence, then so be it. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, look, as soon as you said that, he's used to Darwin Nunes. I think physically, it's not a competition between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he's getting more numbers, it's it's clear, isn't it? Yeah, for what it's worth just out, out just Julian uh, Alvarez at Man City has got the same number of goals and assists he's got 11 goals and 7 assists so he's obviously more prolific in front of goal and again he's played Champions League that was the, he, was the, he was the one player who I did think when you said not everyone's got yeah. two 20 goal a season things I was thinking actually City might City have might, there yeah. and that's probably the only one yeah. he also takes their set pieces as well so he's getting assists from set pieces Don Nunes isn't getting assists from set pieces so you need a free he kick won't against Fulham first and last on the record yeah. 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 And, and Kevin's back now so yeah. for a few yeah, weeks he won't true. be taking them either but it's an interesting point you know Foden's got 10 goals Alvarez has got 11 Haaland's on 19 for them so far and Liverpool are just actually taking along at a decent a decent sort of rate moving on to Cody Gakpo because that's now 9 this season for him Diogo Jota's on 9 so far Darwin Nunes is on the 8th these um, just sticking with Cody Clow he at the moment he's basically taken on the Takumi Minamino role from the uh, cup double season where he's just turning up in these competitions and doing the business the beauty is is that I, the difference between him and Minamino is that I honestly wouldn't be asked if 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 Gakpo started centre forward in any game of football for Liverpool, and there's definitely more to come. It just feels right now this is the benefit of having lots of football to play. As much as we're a bit terrified of burnout and what might happen, when you've got 
basically two guys, three if you count Jota, who all want to play number nine and they're all scoring goals. Well, this is this is a, a beautiful benefit of a League Cup semi-final. Yeah, it is, and it's it's healthy competition as well. It, it, you want that number nine shirt in terms of starting up top for Liverpool every single game. You want that. You want to be the one who needs to be replaced in that in that strike position by other te- other players. Sorry, and Jota, by the way, has been phenomenal since he returned back. He's ridiculous as a footballer. I adore that man. Um, and we're just we're blessed, aren't we? Because it's been a season where I don't think anyone's thought Cody Gakpo's had a quite a good season here. Um, but you know he's literally the reason why we've got so far in 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 this competition. I think he scored four goals in the four games that we've played there. He's also stepped up big time in games in the league where I think Wolves he gets the equaliser um, in that that Boss three one win where we come back from the death and it just feels like in big moments you can rely on Cody Gakpo. Um, and we, we want to see more out of him, but also we've seen the glimmers from last season. We've seen how we've kind of changed the style of football we play, so it doesn't always fit him. Um, but he's brilliant. He's He reads the space where he needs to be. The danger's always there for him. He finishes. I mean, that's on his left foot the other day yeah. against Fulham. Like you mentioned there, I'm not sure Darwin Nunes puts that on the back of the net with his left foot. It, it probably does from the right-hand side with his right foot, but with his left foot. Or maybe not. Uh, or maybe not, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's so I don't know, exciting. He didn't have to dribble it forty yards before he got there. <laughs> um, but it's exciting, and uh, hopefully, you know, this kind of run can make Cody Gappo uh, reach a different level because he's certainly an unbelievable he, footballer. He feels like he's just a victim of his own versatility yeah. at the moment yeah. this season. Playing for me, is that time. he just needs to get a run in the team in one position to get that form. But the big plus, in the same way that it it is with Nunes, you can see Nunes's all round game. Funnily there's a big plus in Cody Gap who doesn't seem to be able to be play well at the moment for 90 minutes and yet still impacts games and mm-hmm. you know we've lauded Diogo Jota for that over yeah. the years yeah. you know there are plenty of strikers you go bloody hell he's not in the game and then bang goal wow brilliant Harland that's sometimes. why he was on there yeah, he gets exactly. about four touches but scores four goals and that's what I think Cody's got I think what you said there was brilliant it, it's his reading of the space for me it's how he finds himself in these little positions and just slows down or just speeds up at the right time and drifts away from it from his man, finds finds that sort of space and is able to finish. But he needs he needs a run in the sides, I think, of, of of one position, whatever that position is. If we want to see the best of him, but that's not to say that he's not doing a good job for the squad at the moment. I mean, this is the thing, and it what a wonderful sort of problem to have, really, is that you've got loads of different ways of skinning the cat. Those are interesting on transfer markets, got up his, his like, where, where he's played so far this season. 14 games of centre forward, five is attack and mid, three is left wing three is right wing two in central midfield um, I'm absolutely shocked he's played 14 times up front did you say yeah, yeah. it felt like 14 times in the mid uh, uh, 14 how's minutes he more <laughs> yeah, yeah, no you're right yeah. you're right off the bench yeah, but that's just, that's just highlights his versatility there. And you mentioned is it, as you were talking about prior to you, so I was thinking ahead. I don't think he's ever played or started at least two games back to back in the same position. Doesn't feel like he would have done that all season, and that. You know, he's a very intelligent footballer. Jurgen Klopp, once again, clearly absolutely adores him because he can fit in so many different positions for him. And he's almost like the perfect squad player, but he's better than that as well. He's a frontline footballer. And for a frontline footballer who you signed for a decent chunk of money and who's coming clearly to be among your best 11, 12, 13 players, whatever it may be, to have slotted into so many different positions and never really got a run in the side, is that... 
is that down to him in terms of his form hasn't been there? He hasn't warranted a run in the side? Or is that because, as you say, we're constantly having to sort of plug holes here and there and this lad's injured, he's not in form. So Cody Gakpo will do it. We're missing an eighth for a game. Cody Gakpo, yeah. it, it feels a little bit like the latter to me. I, I, I agree on that. He is such a good general footballer. My issue is I don't think he's played well in midfield for us mm. this, this season. He's been used there a little bit too much. And often that has just been availability of other lads. And I do think... Go on, probably too much, but it goes back to a Paul Tompkins thing about your overall, your average height of your side. I think matters when you're defending set pieces. Um, not necessarily. I think you can be small and be brilliant, be very good aerial, as we've seen with Michael Owen. And they'll pick, pick a pick a bunch of examples. Jot is amazing yeah. aerially. Thiago in the air as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the but there's there's something in that for, for say and just a bit more of a physical presence in in the middle of the park. My biggest thing with him is. In a traditional sense, we're a bit worried because we've got this idea of there being a best 11 and we've lived in a, a world where there's a best 11 and there's a few players who are definitely a legacy of that. Salah, Trent, Van Dijk, obviously the goalie because that's how the goalies work. But I, my fear is it's an Aubameyang, Lacazette-style situation where we've bought two lads to play number nine and only one of them's ever really going to get the, the lion's share of the minutes because you can't, I don't think you can rotate your number nine and have a successful, have that successfully work. So the one who's the most versatile and invariably ends up being moved off a little bit. Arsenal had this where like Aubameyang would play a bit off the, the left or then Lacazette would play a little bit wider at, at times and neither of them ends up being quite at the level you really want them to be. Okay, Aubameyang gets top goal scorer in 18-19, but you know, that was, and you know, Villa had this with Ollie Watkins and Ings. Liverpool had it plenty of times when they had, I mean, they had Anelka, Owen and Heskey, and they played all three of them in a front three. Who's the one who's going to play through the middle? It's going to be Michael Owen. So someone else is going to be asked to do things that aren't necessarily their skill set. And Gakpo feels, I mean, look, we've seen Nunes shifted around a little bit too. And it's funny that Jota might actually be the answer to all of these, by the way, where he might just be the number nine and everyone else might be asked to do other bits. But... With this, with this many games of football, and with five subs, it's kind of a bit of a. I feel I do feel sorry for Gakpo that he's not being getting more of a run, but at the moment, as long as we're managing to spin his plate, Nunez's plate, Jota's plate, actually we've not even talked about Diaz, who's only just starting, looks like now starting to get into a little bit of form himself. Salah's plate is always spinning. Yeah, it never stops. Yeah, so 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 far so good in terms of it all. It just doesn't naturally fit with what we understand from. You've got this guy. He should just be. He should be your main man because he's good enough to yeah, be his main, right, main man. Because think of it this way: like that that side that played Real Madrid in the European Cup final, which was our best side, had never played together before. Yeah, and mm. it, you know what I mean. The Spurs one. The Spurs one. Sorry, yeah. yeah, Spurs one. It's like that's what happens in in modern day football. So we all have this idea of what our best side is. I'd like to see our best side. Don't get me wrong. I think we could put. What is our best? Side? I've got no idea to be honest with you because what's your best side? Probably <laughs> right now, uh, Liverpool. Um, probably right now. <laughs> I'm looking at, I'd like Jota through the middle. Yeah, I'd like Salah on the right and I'd like Nunes on the left-hand side is probably right now where where I'm at. I think, funnily enough, the, the Jota thing's so interesting because I sort of see him in some ways, and this is going to sound ridiculous, so bear with me on this one, I kind of see him like our Kevin De Bruyne in that, you know when Kevin De Bruyne's playing for City and he's just allowed to go wherever the fuck he wants? I kind of see Jota as that for us. Okay. Like He comes and he drops into the left-hand side and provides an overload. Then he'll come and drop in on the right-hand side and provide an overload. But then different to him because he's playing this, a, a forward position, he'll be in the box. And there's, there's, I think City have done this really well against us loads of times where... 
Kevin De Bruyne just doubles up with someone and, and bullies someone on that, you know, quite often it's Trent Alexander Arnold, and he'll go over there and they'll create a 2v1 or a 3v1 if Bernardo Silva goes over there. Jota seems to just understand where he needs to be and go and support whoever it is and provide. And when he's driving with the, with the ball, for me, you know, it's that he's not always at 100 miles an hour like Nunes. I think that's the big difference between him and it. Maybe it's experience, maybe it's age, maybe it's just games under the belt, who knows? He just runs at the speed that the team need him to run at. Yeah. And then he'll just find the, find the pass. Whereas Nunes just bombs forward. 110 mile an hour, looks around and goes, where the fuck is everyone? Yeah. Lads, it's too fast. No one can keep up with you. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So I just think he's one of our cleverest players, Jota. So he's always going to be on my side at the moment. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a really interesting one. I think if you took a bit of a blind pole at this point, I don't think... I think, I think a lot of people would go that way. But I... I think we'd have a really broad spectrum of what people want to see out there and it made a little bit more complicated Chloe by Diaz you know in the last couple of weeks just feels like it's starting to go right for him again it's been a it's been a bad 18 months for him really um for a variety of reasons largely injury but obviously the family stuff as well um it's more I think there's more goals to come for him and that's that's frightening because if he scores goals I honestly you you it's it's the greatest headache any manager's ever had because you've effectively got five lads who are all in goal scoring form. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a mad one and um I think that Arsenal game he, he was back to his best, obviously Fulham. Um you could see a bit more. It it feels like he isn't stuck in his own head. I think that's what when I First, I'll see him come back in the squad. It was when the ball was at his feet. It was like he didn't really know what to do with it. It wasn't coming naturally to him. He was maybe taking a touch too many or his first touch wasn't actually good enough. He couldn't get the ball under. Um, so, yeah, it, there's been an improvement in Diaz. And we, we saw it the first game against Chelsea, that run that we've called the Mane run, where he slips around the back and, he, you know, the, the slide, the 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 ball into the bottom corner of the net. If we can do things like that more often, then my word, we've got a scary from four, from five to choose from. Um, and they've got it all fight for the place. That's the most exciting thing here because what they're doing right now still isn't enough because when Darwin Nunes is doing what he's doing now, the other day he wasn't starting against Fulham and yet that can be said because it was the EFL Cup, players need rest and all of these things. But Jota missed out against Arsenal when we all thought he was going to start. Yeah. And it's very much... Each year's are gonna have to get a a, a Gowie, maybe not Gakpo. <laughs> Gakpo, your turn might come in the number eight position, sadly. Um, but the others are all gonna get their turn, and it's whoever takes them every single week. And we know we don't really like chopping and changing, but it's boss to give. You know what Diaz does compared to Gakpo on that left compared to Nunes. It's three different things for the defender to think about. Yeah. So if you've dealt with Diaz for seventy minutes, who loves to cut inside, who is really not slow on the ball, but he's just so technically brilliant that his close controls right in front of you, but you can't do anything. If you then just go and tell Nunes to go and do twenty, running in behind, speeding at that lad, the the lad's going to be stuck in no man's land. He doesn't. He, he's not going to adjust to it quick enough. Yeah. So these are really good assets to have, and hopefully, you know, we'll have a a steady set out front three who bags the goals and assists but you've also got the players off the bench who can come on and be that extra killer because the thing that Liverpool have been said that they don't do is kill off games soon enough where Manchester City might be 4-5-0 up Liverpool might be still 1 or it might be 2-1 yeah. and having that rotation for someone to come off the bench and go here Deal with him. That, that, the West Ham game is a great example yeah. of us being mm. a bit more like that, wasn't it? Going now, we're all right, we're going to we're going to batter you here. What interesting thought that occurred to me, and I want to get the, what you guys think on this. So, 
I think Diaz should ask to go and play on the right-hand side while Salah's not there. But I do wonder if there's a little bit of here for Diaz where mm. it's, it's almost like a, a, that's a make-or-break thing. Because if he lets go of that left-hand side... Mm. And someone like Nunes or Jota or Gakpo, there's, there's so much competition on the left, Chris. But there's an opportunity there where I think I think he could really flourish on that other flank. But it's like a bit like yeah, it's a bit like playing musical chairs or you know the grass is always green a kind of situation. It could be the thing that kicks him on, but also it could actually be the thing that destabilizes his place in the uh, in the first eleven. Oh, he'd be brave to do that because you, you, you're only going to do it for a few weeks, aren't you? I think he'd be mental to do that, to be honest with you. And I think that for, for the reasons that you've just said there, I think he can do it. And I think there will be a tactical shift to go back to right-footed, right-forwards. You know, like... Well, the, Ben Doak's a little hint towards that, yeah, Football always changes over time. You know, before Jose Mourinho came into this league, no one played inverted forwards. And then for the last near 20 years, all we've had is inverted forwards. And you think the fullbacks get used to it and then it just shifts the other way. And then everything comes around eventually. So it wouldn't surprise me tactically if players started to do that more and more, managers started to do that more and more. You know when it and changes? Think- when inverted fullbacks become more of a regular thing. Well, yeah, I mean, I must admit, like, watching Joe Gomez play left-back and defend the, the fella cutting inside with his right, it looked dead easy. It's, it's like, laughing his head go ahead, that's a good foot, lad. <laughs> and, oh, that's your shit foot, I get it, so we're going to go good on good, Sam, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. It's easy easy for him, isn't it? But, yeah, look, the, the, the Diaz is an interesting one. I think having his dad in the stadium has really helped him, funnily enough, recently, mm-hmm. and, you know, putting that sort of episode or chapter of his life behind him. Um, he's, he, he seems primed to kick on, and I think Chloe's right. I think there's a simplification to what he's doing at the moment. It's like, instead of picking the ball up on the touchline, can I pick the ball up just on the edge of the penalty area? Can I take two touches and get a shot off? Let's simplify what I'm doing here, and it seems to be working for him. Well, that, that was the beauty of him when we first signed him. He played, and it was just uncomplicated. It was basically straight off the street to Columbia, albeit it wasn't, because he'd been at FC Porto for a short period of time. But it just felt like he came the in with streets. his... Com- yeah, it just felt like he came in with his complete X Factor. It was like, oh, yeah, give me the ball, and I'll do some mad stuff with it, and let's just see what happens ultimately. And listen, it didn't always produce the end product. I think Liverpool have had to, to coach him and to teach him that you've got to do this pressing, this defensive work. So I, don't, I won't go as far as say we've coached it out of him, that flamboyance and that flair, but it does feel like... I mean, the injury's been a huge burden on him, potentially a little bit of that coaching stuff. Obviously, the stuff he's lost a little bit of pace. Yeah. Yeah, I think he lost a little bit of confidence more than anything in his own body, potentially. Now, we might just see the early signs of that coming back to him, where he trusts himself a little bit more now. He trusts himself to go full tilt, because there's no doubt... We've seen it with Van Dijk. Van Dijk, when he came back from the injury, wasn't Virgil van Dijk of old, and all of a sudden, he's got back to his best. Footballers, psychologically as well as physically, take some time to get back to anything like their peak. And it looks like the early signs are that Louis Diaz is getting there, because... There was a moment in the Newcastle game in particular where he turned, it must have been Kevin Trippier, inside out, left him for dead, got to the byline, and straight away I went, that's Louis Diaz. Where's that been? And the stuff about him being on the right, I kind of get, but his stock in trade at Porto was cutting in and essentially scoring absolute worldies, like he did against Palace that time in that game. So he has got so much going on, Louis Diaz. It's just not been evidenced for so long now. But honestly, if we can just get anything like back to what he was when he first joined the club with that complete freedom and that just go out there and be Louis Diaz because we just haven't seen it for too long. Yeah. The other thing is in that Arsenal game he must have had in my head 
three one-on-ones where he could have just volleyed it bottom corner across the goalkeeper and he didn't do it but yeah if he was on that left hand side he'd have just passed it into the far corner but it seemed to him like he, he kept he, he would try and find the man in the middle or he'd cut back and take an extra touch and he'd win the ball and reality was if you just get two shots away nine times out of ten that's a goal because you've gone across the, the goalkeeper and Ramsdale couldn't get down quick enough and I think in the fourth time round he actually learned to do it but this time he volleyed it into the roof of the net um, and I just think moving him to that right hand side it's just getting it's it's not natural to him in terms of his positioning of where he'll find himself because like we've mentioned he likes to cut inside and pass it or you know he's, he's got some power behind it but he likes to place the ball where to go and when he had to cut across it in those three times against Arsenal not once did he fancy doing it um, it was when he was cutting across it into the top bins that he really fancied it it was Four so, times much, it was so good them. because the defenders just not used to defending exactly. that anymore are yeah, they? Yeah. it's that one touch out in and, and he's inside the defenders are always inside mm-hmm. now because there's cutbacks yeah. Yeah. nine times out of ten what's yeah. happening he showed him it he showed him the outside yeah. and he went well, that and scored what's happened yeah, there you don't, you're right you yeah, don't see it just that doesn't happen and that's yeah. why again you can come back tactically to it but he'd be nuts still to do it wouldn't he yeah. he'd be nuts to do it because you've got to back yourself to beat Salah it is interesting I just wonder whether we'll see something a little different because I don't think the Harvey Elliott thing has been a rip-roaring success to see him play in Salah's position as much as I think he can definitely do a, a, an interesting impression of it not the stretch and defence with pace thing absolutely not but there's something to you know if but again, the Arsenal thing was just made all the better for just putting as much pace on the flanks as, as possible. And that meant Darwin left. I mean, I'd have been happy for Darwin to come on, on the right. I think I might have even tweeted that at half time. But yeah, that's an interesting option because it I'd is like, very like Mane first season, isn't I'd it? Like Jota. Mm. He's the most two footed of all of our yeah. players, I think, isn't he? He could go either way. Um, but the manager doesn't seem to want to do that. The manager well, wants him more from the left hand side, which is mad when you've got Gakpo and you've got Diaz. Well, the manager shows you've got no salad. The manager's the one who's been. Who, He's been so keen to use him on the right as well because that's what he normally does when Salah's not around and Jota's available. And I think we normally bang our heads against the wall because Jota does lack the pace to, to 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 stretch in that way. But I agree on the boat on the boat footed thing. It's just interesting on the Diaz one. I really just think it's it's yeah for me it's got like early Sadio Mane things to it. And I, I call back to there's a couple of goals he's had disallowed already this season or, or you know not awarded, um, which has been him going across the goalkeeper from from that kind of direction and the assist. He gets for Darwin at the Emirates when the, the game he gets injured as well, where he goes over to that side yeah. and pulls, you, pulls it back across. Do you remember his first ever goal for Liverpool at Anfield where the ball's just been, he's run off the shoulder, a ball's been slipped through, he takes one touch and dinks the goalkeeper. Norwich. And I, it might have been, yeah. and from that moment I thought, my God, like he's world class and he's had a horrific injury. But before that injury, he was possibly one of our best players that season. He's never really got the goals as he did. That was the the one thing that was aimed at him that season. You know, carried us on the quadruple run or whatever, but he never got the goals. And yet, when he gets put in those positions, he scores. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? It is mad and it does make you wonder whether it's a bit of a tactical shift and it's so so much what we do leans, still leans towards Salah, but it gears, and that's where Darwin's flourished has gone, I'm just going to stick myself to Mo Salah and I'll get, you know, the best way for me to get in this team is to basically make sure that I am the best person for, for Salah's career I can possibly be and then all of a sudden you've got Diaz who's 10 yards deeper on the left hand side going, 
where is every, where is everyone? And then when he's put with Ryan Gravenberch, who's then stood in the positions he wants to run into as well, it's not necessarily helped him. The other thing with this, sorry, I know you wanted to move on, but the other thing when, when you discuss the forwards, we never talk about the pressing side of things enough, I don't think. Mm. Like Liverpool, when we won the league, we were absolute pressure monsters. Right now, we've kicked it into another gear over the last maybe month or so. Like We're back at the point where... Um, for PPDA passes per defensive action for the other side well for us sorry we're the lowest in the league I think it's like 6 point or 9 point something uh, passes from the opposition side but before we put a defensive action in which is considerably the highest in the league again and it was much higher and we've brought that down over like the last month or so so what mm-hmm. Klopp's been able to do when he's rotating these forwards is he's keeping that press yeah. fresh mm-hmm. yeah. and like all of a sudden like Arsenal Arsenal played brilliantly against us in terms of the press but in every other game I think our press has been better than the opposition and, and that's something to rotate in your lads in and, and out just to bring it back to the Fulham game because it was a few raised eyebrows and I was talking to my dad about it last night and he was saying I I, I think Nunes should have started or I think the, the substitutes should have started that game but it's again this is all part of the strategy is it's actually now about keeping it up for 95 100 minutes yeah. and you're almost better off having a weaker side to start the game provided you've got that extra you still we need to have those legs off the bench to be able to, to keep that up that's almost been our, our game plan for the mm-hmm. year so yeah long way to continue um, just two quickly um, I want to do a bit more on these but you know it is what it is um, Gavin Birch and Curtis Jones let's do them together Dan um, which sounds like fun um, the I think I think Gavin Birch is I think we are I think we're trying desperately to play him into form. Yeah, you know they've used him from the left. They started to use him a little bit from the. We from should the start right passing to him then, because his first touch isn't helping him. Yeah, we shape poor form in yeah. that game. Full game. <laughs> he, um, but I, I get it because I was there was a point of a month or so ago when I was thinking, why is Curtis not playing more? Why is Harvey not playing more? And we were persistent with Gravenberg, persistent with Sobberslie. You we were both having a bit of a sticky period, mm-hmm. and I think what it boils down to is Curtis gets it. Curtis can come in Curtis is in our best 11 yeah. and I don't think we're a million miles off Harvey Elliott being in there as well you know again it goes back to another yard of pace half a yard of pace and three or four inches he, he, he'd be in that team without a shadow of a doubt yeah. every week but we've got we're still playing to get everyone up and running and Gravenberch at the moment remains a little bit of an enigma because you can see flashes of what he does, mm-hmm. but the more he's playing of late, I'm starting to question what it is he actually does for us. Yeah, there's, there's a massive understanding of what's required elements in all of this. I think Curtis Jones absolutely gets that. And and moreover, it's more than that as well, because for a long time earlier on the season, I was saying, you probably do play Jones because he offers you that balance and he allows those around him to flourish, et cetera, et cetera. But a bit beyond that, that's doing him a disservice. To be honest with you, he's actually just a wonderful footballer in his own right. And the stuff he does when he's in possession is also brilliant. And he is another one, by the way, we speak about confidence. He is oozing with confidence right now. He is absolutely feeling himself. So, how many? Curtis. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. But even no, no, his all round play, like that touch he takes on the edge of the box and just the ambition and the audacity to try stuff and for it to come off is just a, an absolute joy to behold. But yeah, with Gravenberg, it's an interesting one. I don't think we're a million miles removed from people sort of banging down the door saying Gravenberg needs to be starting more games. But I actually put it down to a little bit of a lack of footy thing and I don't know how long I can carry on making that excuse for him. But yeah. the fact he barely kicked the ball in anger at Bayern Munich last season definitely hasn't helped him he'd never put a run of games whatsoever he barely played 90 minutes across the entire season certainly not in the Bundesliga so I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass there's clearly 
talent there. There's clearly ability there. I don't think he gets what's required of him. And when he plays alongside to Bosley in particular, neither of them two are on the same sort of wavelength. Or, more importantly, they're both trying to do two similar things in similar areas of the pitch, so it's not quite working. But Gravenberg has got loads going on, like absolutely yes. loads. He's a top, top talent. We shouldn't write him off. The 30 million we paid will forever be a snip. We've seen it at Ajax already. And actually... Although, earlier on the game, him stopping the ball going out for throwing by handball and it wasn't his brightest moment. He produced the best moment. <laughs> I've forgotten all about <laughs> that. I don't remember that. He, do you remember he, that? He, he, the ball bounced, it was going for a throw and he was still it. Yeah. Instead yeah. of letting it go, he, he caught it inside the Mental. pitch. Mental. But in the second <laughs> half, that summed up him for a while. But in the second half, just before he went off, actually, he produced the, the best moment yes. from Liverpool. Yeah. So you can see there, there's clearly something, but... Uh, sort of to conclude him at the moment it's a little bit frustrating a little bit rough around the edges and it's just not quite happening love him love him yeah. I, I, I reckon he could become a monster for Liverpool I think he is brilliant technically he's incredible and you know we've mentioned them going through a little bit of a sticky patch but you know he stepped up in, in big games as well you know earlier on in the season I, I remember us all thinking oh my god wh- why the hell have Bayern Munich sold him yeah, yeah, yeah. for 30 mil nonetheless like what on earth and players go through up and down patches he's a young lad he's yeah. getting used to the football getting used to the pace of the game the Premier League is so much more intense and so much faster and at the beginning of the season I, I turned around and was like he's not really completed 90 minutes for Bayern so we can't expect him to do that now it's now 20 games into yeah. the season so I need you to start doing that Ryan <sighs> um, but there was times where we saw it for 45 or we saw it for 60 I mean his assist against who was it in our first Europa League game? Um, and he, the whip he gets, he's running at full speed and it's like he should dislocate his hip by doing the movement to get the ball across um, for Luis Diaz, I think it was. Um, but you've seen it, he, he's got it there. Liverpool just need to make sure they can tap into that but keep it for 90 minutes. Um and yet, last couple of games, he's not been good. His first touch has been absolutely horrific, I'll give him that. It felt like every time he got the ball to feet, he'd lose it. Um, but if you can get him on the half turn and you can get him with some confidence, and we've, we've spoke here, you know, we've talked about Cody Gakpo. He's not had two games where he's played back-to-back. Ryan Gravenberg really hasn't because Curtis Jones has showed up and yeah. said, are you lads? And you've had Wataru Endo who's shown up when McAllister's been injured or, you know, McAllister could have been a left-side uh, centre-mid if Endo was still playing. And you've had Sobo who we've told to go again and again and again and swap with Harvey Elliott. So he's not in, he's not got a full rhythm um, and we're just like lobbing him into games and sometimes we're lobbing them into games where we've, done a lot of rotation as well that He's, can't be yeah. hindered so I think I, he will be phenomenal I have no you know worries about that I'm, I just think we need to somehow get him in some rhythm yeah I, I, look, I, there's no doubt that there's, a, there's a talent there there's a really talented footballer in there for me I'm, I'm quite I just quite relaxed about it I mean that's the beauty you know we signed you know four new midfielders in, in the summer they've all had the moments so far this season where we've gone oh yeah there's a good one he's the one now which is mad to think because of because of Wataru Endo, where he's a, he's, a, he's a little bit of a free hit. You know, he wasn't. I don't think he was bought for the first eleven. Mm-hmm. So I was like, bought for the first eleven, plays for the first eleven. Is a, is a nailed on starter in all of your big games on that right hand uh, midfield slot. He's almost like he reminds me of when we signed Torres, but also then signed Babel a little bit later on or in that same window, where buy your main guy, but if you're going to build your team around a style of footballer. 
and you haven't got any other footballers like that, go and get another one because if that lad then gets injured, you're screwed. <laughs> you know, and that's where I mean it's not the best example perhaps, but you know, you you had Fernando Torres and we had David and Go and he was nowhere near the level, but he was functionally quite a similar mm. sort of sort of thing. He was good on the shoulder, he was a decent finisher. I like Gravenberch and I think it's it's but it's an interesting spell for him now because everyone else feels like they're a bit more settled than him. I think ultimately changing the side of midfield in the last couple of weeks is probably not necessarily going to help him. Probably speaks to how good Curtis has been, really, more than anything else. Because I was a little concerned for Curtis's future because Gravenberg seemed to be getting the nod ahead of him a bit more than I think was was maybe due from what I was seeing on the pitch. But um, Curtis Jones is he's... absolutely flourishing, and and, Gach, and, and, and Gravenberg is just yeah. If he's only a squad player for us, then. Still, thirty million. Still, these, still these things happen. I don't think he'll be a squad player. I, I, deep down, I genuinely don't. The the thing is, is I'm saying he, at the worst. No, at the, yeah. I don't think he'll be worse than a squad player as well. And thirty million saying, is yeah. a steal, no matter what, because it doesn't feel like a gamble. But also, we weren't saying this too long ago. Where Curtis Jones had got a red card and he came back and he was actually really off the pace, and yeah, we were okay. sat there yeah. like Curtis Jones is in, in our starting eleven, and all of a sudden he stepped up. Mm-hmm. Ryan Gravenberg just needs to go through that. He needs to have the moment where maybe he's mm-hmm. got to dig deep and really get through it, and then shine through and step up when called upon. And the good thing about him is we're not having to call upon him that much because. You've got Curtis Jones, he's playing yeah. out of his skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's good. How old is he, by the way? Just just for knowledge, because... 21, is he? 21. Gavin Silly. is 21, yeah. Silly. He was the perfect Naby Keita replacement. He plays in a very similar way. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just wants to drive forward with the ball, except yeah. he's fit. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. We've swapped a fella who... Wasn't playing play. for us yeah. for fifty million quid that we signed him for, and we brought Ryan Gavinberg in with a dead eye ceiling. Oh yeah, I'm gonna say that. It's it's, it's huge, like, and, and he's also like a, a unit yeah, he's massive. He's dead tall. He's dead strong. He's a little bit. He's not patient enough at the moment for me. Mm-hmm. He wants to do everything and go forwards, which is actually what his best asset is. He's a, well. a bit like the he's like almost a puppy, the op- mate. Well, he wants to fucking go for a run. A bit the opposite the of Curtis Jones in some regards. People <laughs> yeah. talk about Jones holds on too long. Mm. Gavinberg tries is a little bit too eager to, to make things happen at times, and that's that's just achieved, experience. Yeah. Yeah. My, my only concern with Gavinberg right now, and this is something Curtis Jones has done brilliantly ever since he sort of had the breakthrough into the first team, is he came as this raw academy kid who just was incredible to watch and off the cuff made things happen all the time he's been able to take on Klopp's instructions and learn what it is to be a Jurgen Klopp midfielder and to sort of do the defensive stuff do the pressing do all that type of stuff Ryan Gravenberg I don't know if he's ever I hope he does I'm not quite sure he's going to take all that on board he might always be this a little bit eccentric flair type bit of a mad turn make things happen just out of nowhere he's got tons and tons of ability I just don't know if he's ever going to do the hard work that you need to do to be a Jurgen Klopp midfielder well, I hope he doesn't he won't be well, yeah, exactly I think that's my only very small concern right now if he I could just train that. alongside Thiago for a couple of months because he's got that I mean wishful thing I know yeah he's got that <laughs> Thiago in full training yeah. yeah. well, he's, he's got the ramp up it's 10 games and then yeah, okay, maybe you'd have to not month. play him in games just to train. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's definitely got that little bit of quality to him. And I, I'll be honest, I've enjoyed a couple of the cameos late on where he's he's been more of a two in midfield and he's been mm. a bit deeper. And he's not then being t- he just gets out he gets out he's he's out of everyone's way a bit more then, and he can just actually just be a 
quite a silky, the silky player that he is. Just you know, in, in terms of transitions and turning round, and I like him. I think he's a really good player. It'll come good, but I just thought it was an interesting point that he has. You know, I think Sobers lied plateaued a touch. He's obviously been injured. Gravenberch, it didn't work for him in the in in the Fulham game, but it will. I, I've no doubt it will come. No doubt it will come good. And just lastly on Curtis, I just I didn't realise this. He's about to turn twenty three. Curtis Jones like and this is the thing he's about to start entering he's about to be the age that we buy footballers at mm. so Liverpool are very mm. good at buying 23 year old footballers who go on to be absolutely sensational It's uh, we forget this sometimes that it's a bit of a problem with young footballers where you have to watch their development and it taints your opinion yeah, on them sometimes mistakes on your watch yeah. Don't they? Yeah. And, and that's a, that's nothing you can get away with. And, but Kay Jones has been a revelation. It, it, the, the, he, if I was being hypercritical of him, he still does hold on to the ball slightly too long, but not in the way that I think a lot of people think. I was referencing the Fulham game. He grabs the ball on the edge of our area and runs with it past the halfway line at one point when there's just a pass there to the left-hand side. I'm like, let the ball do the work yeah. and run up the field. Like There, there was no yeah. need for you to run up the field we could have been further ahead if you'd have just played Ball the pass. Moves quicker than you uh, yeah, possibly exactly. Can. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's my thing. I actually like Liverpool holding on to the ball and, and and slowing it down and going back to the goalkeeper because I recognise that when they're five men and five men and a goalkeeper, spread them out and give yourself a chance to play through them before mm. you get back into the shell. Yeah, that's what Liverpool do. It's what the old Italian side from the nineties have always done. Go back to the back. The team comes out, spread space, go forwards, try again. Doesn't work. Go back. Kerr Jones does that better than anyone for Liverpool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do. I, I'm really impressed by him, and because he's one who's just taken an undue amount of stick over the years. I haven't followed so many people over the last like three or four years who've just, apropos of nothing, like in random periods where people aren't playing, just decided to go into like tirades about him not being a, not being at the level. Whereas at, at worst, a bit like what I was saying about Gravenberch, at worst he's just a good, he's just a solid footballer. Maintain this for, for forever. That everyone talks about Man United sides that won the league when they were dominant and they talk about gigs and they talk about skulls. But like that team had Gary Neville's in it and it had Darren Fletcher's in it and it had John O'Shea's in it and it had. I throw Gary Neville under the bus and such there. He was a bit better than that. But it had tons of lads who just came in and played football matches for them and loads. Like their party sung in one of the best attacking Man yeah, United sides of all time. It was amazing. Well. But like they had Rudy's and Tevez's and Ronaldo. Those and Berbatovs and all this kind of stuff, but you have got you've got to have lads who can just come in and play football for you. You need them. The thing with Curtis is that all of a sudden, and not really all of a sudden, since the back end of last season, he's found we've we've the tact you talk about it, the tactics have changed. And this lad who was never quite the right fit for the genie midfield and never quite had the output to play in Mane's position, all of a sudden it's somewhere in between, mm-hmm. and he's like, This fits everything that I do absolutely perfectly. Gomez is a bit like that as well at fullback. All of a sudden, fullbacks have become a bit more energetic, a bit more run up and down, and and, and do you know all round good things. And their footy can work that way for you sometimes. And Jones is flourishing, which is great. Uh, right, quick break from us. When we return, we're going to be going through some other Liverpool-related business, talking to Fenger and Eriksson, Salah at Afcon, and Calvin Ramsey's recall from loan. Stay tuned. 
It's January, it is 2024, and we've got an incredible legend prize draw for you this month. Yes, it is Kostas Timakas signed Liverpool's shirt. He signed it, he was very kind to sign it. He's done an incredible job for Andrew Robertson over the last few weeks, uh, name months. Uh, We can't wait to give this one away. If you want to get yourself in the hat to win that incredible prize, then you need to be a legend subscriber at redmenplus.com every single month with Without fail, we will give away something incredible. This month, as you've seen, it's the Costas Timakas shirt signed by the man himself. So you, all you need to do is get into that legend here and you're in with a chance. Do it. Do it now. The best there is. Best there was. The best there ever will be. Ooh, Okay. Is he the 50th best signing of all time? They'll tell you that they're the best player. He's the best player they ever played with. Famous photos of him being carried off and stuff, and that was that was what he left everything on the pitch. Shankly 2.0 and what happened, you know, maybe we see today with what Klopp's trying to do with his 2.0. How can he be this good? He's so much better than everybody else that's ever played the position. Yeah, OK, fine, fine. I mean... <laughs> he shouldn't be ahead of Sunez in the, in the, in the back in order. 47,000 people wanted to pay him a pound a week to stay. That tells you all you need to know about what we thought of that guy at that moment in time. He should be a lot higher. World class. I think I'm world class. Quite clearly, who am I to question the vote? He was astonishing. You know, his his ability, his agility was just um, second to none. Oh, have I forgiven him yet? He he might be in my top ten. That's how much love I've got for him. I've done more for Liverpool than at the moment. Am I in this list? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? 
Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Yes, uh, get involved with all the amazing stuff we've got going on over on redmenplus.com. And if you want to try it out free for an entire month, then you can do. Go to redmenplus.com, use the code CLOP. Get yourself a free month. Try out the podcast, try out the videos, uh, try out the interviews, documentaries, and get both episodes of our 50 greatest Liverpool signings of all time free. Uh, and if you like it, then stick around because uh, I don't know whether you've heard, but Liverpool are fucking brilliant at football again. So it promises to be a very, very exciting run into the season. We're going to be here for all of it. So make sure you are with us on that journey too. Yeah, use the code CLOP. K-L-O-P-P. Yes, thank you. PP. Um, <laughs> yes, outstanding stuff. Okay. Um, look, um, not obviously particularly joyous news. Um, former England manager Sven Goran Eriksson uh, was in the news last week, uh, revealing that he's just found out that he's got terminal mm. cancer. Uh, one of the things that came out of these interviews, Chris, was he, he revealed that he'd, he'd always been a Liverpool fan. Like, I, I, I definitely knew this fact. It's not one I've thought about for a long old while. I remember being linked with the Liverpool job many, many sort of moons ago. But what it's led to off the back um, is a number of people are Liverpool fans online and what have you, and even Robbie Fowler and co joining the call to see if they can get him to manage the Legends team uh, in March. I, I love this. Like, it's one of the, you know, every now and again, our fan base, our football club, and it's not that it's done and dusted or sorted or whatever, but people just come out with, we come out with some some crap stuff over the over the times. I've heard, like, that Phil Coutinho, Mane song was one of the greatest abominations ever to emerge from Liverpool's fan base. This is just, if they, if they can make it happen, would be wonderful. It'd be wicked for him, wouldn't it, to be, to be fair? Like, um, it's one of those things, isn't it? I think, you know, there are people in, in football that are respected by almost everybody unilaterally. Um, and Sven-Goran Eriksson seems to be one of those guys and, you know, fan base putting their arms around him at a time when obviously he's got, I think it's just about a year to live, isn't it? It's it's a pretty cool thing. Like, and if, if you can make a dying man's wish come true, then why wouldn't you? No, absolutely. I mean, uh, obviously, Chloe, I won't come. I won't come to you on the Sven-Goran Eriksson thing because it is very much before your time. <laughs> but it's mad, isn't it? And I, because he was in that clutch of managers where England were trying different things and getting like foreign managers in, which worked for a while. Everyone got that excited, and there was songs. Did that and Dex sing about song about him? I don't know. Um, the yeah, the other, yeah, Sven, yeah. Sven, Sven, Sven-Goran Eriksson was. It? Yeah, I don't yeah. know if that was then, but <laughs> it's uh, you know the. I, I kind of makes me like managers more when when the nation turns against them in, in some regard. So I've never harbored any ill feeling towards Svenger Eriksson from his time as England manager. It looks like, as Chris says, he's still really highly regarded. So yeah, absolutely fair play to him. Sorry, I thought you were coming this close. Yeah, I was. No, yep. so don't uh, not to close. <laughs> no, I saw him earlier this morning. He did uh, an interview and I, I don't know who it was with, but he basically said to them, have you heard about Liverpool fans and their push to, you know, get you to be the manager of, of that Legends team? And he said, no, I, I didn't know it was a thing, but, you know, I'd love to. It would be my dream. Um, so, yeah, it it's boss to see. Um, and hopefully we can, you know, make that dream become a reality um, because, you know, that day... 
will be remembered um, be, because of, of, of the opportunity that he's being given. And it's just, it's boss, isn't yeah. it? Because We're not giving him the Liverpool, Liverpool reigns in, no. a, in, a, in a run in, you know what I mean? This is a, this is a charity well, game of football. It's a lovely game. Cup <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? People were asking for that. People were asking for that on social media. Much more take calm, over for a game. less stress, less stress. In it. Let's yeah. not stress the man out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lovely uh, situation and hopefully we, we can, you know, do that for him. And it's also boss because it's just a, a Liverpool fight. Everyone, yeah. all of us have wanted to either play for Liverpool or be a part of Liverpool in some capacity and him being a massive red, his dad being a massive red and him mm. growing up being that massive red. It just, it, it's boss to see and hopefully we can do that for him. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all in on, on something like this. I think it's a wonderful, a wonderful thing. Um, right, let's move on to uh, AFCON. Let's do Mohamed Salah, uh, Dan. I finished watching the United Spurs game, which mm-hmm. we're going to talk about on the Bias Footy Pod this week. Um, and my dad was with my dad. He flicked over to the to the last sort of fifteen minutes or whatever of uh, of the of the Egypt cool. Mozambique game. Um, end to end, great game of football. Okay. That no. final fifteen minutes was right. well, fifteen that ended up being oh, like please. half an hour. Yeah. Okay, maybe the the last fifteen minutes going into extra time, uh, but when I switched on, it was very much I, Egypt just couldn't break them down, and there was silly little fouls that just weren't fouls, and yellow cards being given for nothing. Football, <laughs> football, <laughs> ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Sally obviously <laughs> saves the day, doesn't he? Get him a draw, but then I think the result after that. Sort of throw the cat amongst the pigeons again because Cape Verde beat Ghana, so that group remains yeah. somewhat up in the air. But it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think loads of Liverpool fans would like to have seen him miss that penalty. You give it his best shot because it wasn't the best penalty you've ever seen. It was either I, really was the worst pen. or a great, or one of the greatest pens ever. Too much post. When, it, much when post. the ball, you say side netting for a pen, don't you, Beard? But not the other side netting that you're aiming at, ideally. And as you cannons off the post and flies in the opposite one, you're like, oh, I don't know about that. That sounds unstoppable. Oh, I don't know, mate. I wasn't sure. And it's Apparently, he hit the bar in a, in a, with a penalty that no, went in, yes. in, in a warm up game as well to keep his arse, yeah. And he got an assist in that game as well for essentially oh, missing that was an assist. Hey, who got the last touch before the fella scored? Mo Salah, thank you. He swings a leg at it and misses it. <laughs> it hits him on like the ankle or something, falls to this lad who, who brilliant finish, by the way. On the half turn facing the other way, it's not an assist, but we'll give you it, lad. Yeah, I have to be honest, I was sat there watching that shocked to find shocked to find them two one down mm-hmm. and there was a little thought as they were toiling desperately trying to get themselves back in the game, thinking, ooh. Wouldn't this be nice if you know Egypt just got knocked out pretty quick? And I'm sure the entire nation of Egypt would wholeheartedly disagree. And bear in mind, you're entitled to disagree, and I, I, I fully support your right to disagree with me on that one. By the way, um, but, but, fuck off! I want Salah back as quick as possible. <laughs> Simple as. Um, and you know that helps. I mean, a draw doesn't necessarily make that loads worse. Um, but Chris, yeah. It, I'm mentally prepared to to lose Salah and Endo for almost the longest possible period. Um, Endo's almost certainly going to go deep in the Asia Asia Cup. This does open the door that Salah might have a bit of an early dart, which would be great. Yeah, I think it's 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 very start of February. I think with a with a week off for himself, isn't it? The earliest that we could get him back. Obviously, I don't really think they've got a chance of winning this one. 
Um, the fifth favourites for the competition. Yeah, they got to the final, didn't they, last time mm. against Senegal and stuff. But it feels like, you know, this is probably Mo's last chance to actually be the talisman and carry a team because he's good enough to carry a team still. You know, in a, in a few years' time, whether he'll still still be there, you can question, can't you? So this feels like... He, if they get knocked out now, I actually wonder whether there'd be a, a mental impact on Salah. Like, he'd come back a little bit disappointed and would he be fat all firing on all cylinders? But I'd like to find that out. Yeah. At Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take your chances with that one. Give that one a go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which option you pick? Yeah, I'll try that one. I'll try that one and Let's see what happens. See I've seen him come back from losing a final, devastated. They're not going to win it. So, like, yeah, have him back. He looked... I, I, you know, you do too much in body language and watching footballers and football, particularly in yeah, games. He great though. He does much better. He, he looks, he looks less vagrantish now that he's cut it, cut it a bit shorter, a bit smarter. Great, <laughs> but I, the, judging the body, like the body language of a footballer in a football match that I've only watched the final fifteen minutes of is not fair. But I just watched him and thought he looked like a lad who went. This was a shit idea. <laughs> this was a shit idea. What am I doing here? What am I doing here playing a game? We've got a new haircut. There's no cameras. We're crap, we're crap anyway. And we're getting beaten by any by a worse team. Mm. I, what am I doing? I could be I could be I'm missing big games of football. I'm missing semi-finals of League Cups. I could be banging goals in and on the you know on the on the hunt. Nah. Hopefully he just there's, gets the leave and come out. There's no way that we get him back for the Arsenal game, even yeah. if he goes out straight away. Arsenal or... game's possible. Yeah. That's possible, the fourth yeah. of Feb. Yeah. Chelsea, okay. Chelsea not. Chelsea it's, the, it's, it's after the, the group stage ends, after the FA Cup fourth round weekend, yeah. I think, is when, that, when it ends. So the 28th, okay. But it's but it, the thing is, we talk about this like him having time off. I don't think they'll give him, I don't think they will get time off because they've just been playing anyway. They tend to come back pretty quick. He might get, if they win it, I think you'd give him a few days off to celebrate or whatever. Mm. But I mean, like Onana went from left <laughs> last night for Man United. Cameroon played today, I think, or tomorrow. To, he couldn't fly because oh, well, hilarious. Yeah. You know, so, you so, know. It's possible to like have quick turnarounds on is these. Is he still days, playing in their game though? I very much doubt it. Yeah, he'll join the tournament, but not in this. Right. Game, Last me. thing before we go, uh, Calvin Ramsey, uh, Dan, recall from loan. Yep. Luke Chambers has gone out to Wigan. It's an interesting sort of like flip for Liverpool, this isn't it? Because Luke Chambers looked like the one who was kind of being ushered towards the first team. Mm. Owen Beck's now back in there. He's the senior player of the two at at a, at a whopping twenty-one years old. Um, there's a weird sort of balance here between they want lads to play, mm-hmm. um, but also they do need a little bit of cover for the next week or two while we get through this this sort of period. The Ramsey one's a bit interesting. I don't know because we've just been singing the virtues of Connor Bradley. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like this is one where he's in with a shout of being a first team player for us here, or is he just going to be straight back out again? I think they'll find somewhere else to go on loan, to be honest with you. I don't see them sort of watching Conor Bradley do what he's done in recent weeks and then to sort of discard him and say, oh, but you can go out on loan and we're going to stick with Ramsey. I don't see that. And also, Ramsey's done nothing, with all due respect, in the first yeah. half of the season to warrant coming in and being an option for the Liverpool Football Club. And listen, the talented lad there, but for various reasons now, it just hasn't worked since his move from Aberdeen, essentially. He picked up an injury on arrival, essentially. 
essentially. They've, they've uncovered a back injury that sort of was undiagnosed at the time. Sounds a bit of a mess. He's had COVID during his time at Preston. I know Ryan Lowe, the manager there, has spoken highly of him in terms of him around the club, but from a football point of view, it just hasn't worked at all. So I think Liverpool will find somewhere else for the second half of the season. But Chambers, just to touch on him as well, by all accounts, had an absolutely incredible debut for Wigan um, on the weekend. So that's a positive. And I think there's a future there for him. With Beck, it's fascinating. I wonder whether the Simicast and Robertson return dates will play a part yeah. because mm-hmm. ultimately if he plays a single minute of football for Liverpool he can then only go back to Dundee so Which it's a really is why interesting maybe one. he didn't play in that game where we thought maybe Joe Gomez yeah. might become the right back in it, why put him on the I mean obviously break glass just in case get injured, yeah. I guess but um, I, the only thing I'm, I'm at least happy about is another um, you know medical group of a football team signed Ramsey and then discovered an injury which oh, is very group. much what we did mm. um, yeah I, I find it mad that we signed the lad and just did not know how injured he was I'm not sure we had any medical staff at the time no, no, we were sure, short, we we? Yeah, no doctor did we? I actually think this is interesting I, I, when, you, when you wrote the agenda for this I was like there's a bigger conversation here and it's around Liverpool's head of loans he went in the summer David Woodfine. Um, yeah, he'd that. been there since 2014. There was something in the back of my mind going, I'm sure the head of loans went out. So I went and checked it up. He, he signed from Portsmouth in 2014, came along with Michael Edwards, worked as, uh, let me see, uh, he was the scouting and recruitment manager in 2014, then head of football projects in 2017 until he took over uh, as head of loans um, and, and I don't think we've replaced him and if you look at the loans that Liverpool have had this season Carvalho recalled after playing 360 minutes across 15 appearances Nat Phillips started just four games Owen Beck is the one that books the trend 17 appearances rave reviews couple of goals uh, Rhys Williams no appearances for Aberdeen James Balagizi seven yeah. appearances for Wigan only 414 minutes though until he got a hamstring injury Recalled Calvin Ramsey not played anywhere. Has he played anything? For I think he's played two games. A couple of bits. Yeah, nothing, nothing basically. Made, yeah. So every, pretty much all bar own back, all of the loans that we've put out this season haven't worked, and we've not had a loans manager whose job it is to find the club yep. where they're going to play and stuff like that. Did you now there was talk of Talamorton then. No, no mention of Talamorton there. Sorry. And then, so that's a, a big question. Again, we talked about Julian Ward and Michael Edwards leaving and what's going on behind the scenes. I actually feel this falls into that, mm-hmm. where all of these things, for the most part, haven't gone well yeah. or as well as Liverpool want, and they're recalling them to send them back out. That And there was talk of an internal promotion for somebody. Um, I found an article Neil Jones had written, um, but I don't think that it's not on Liverpool's website. I went through all the staff, and there's no head of loans anywhere on there and stuff. So. <laughs> The um the thing I thought was just to touch on Fabio Carvalho, um the the quote that came out from Leipzig was not great no. about him, was it? But he scored at the weekend, didn't he? No, he, he settled. settled. Yeah, well, yeah, he settled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of the for Tyler Morton scoring one of the goals of the season. Like, yeah, it's like goal, but it was a very good goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His brother claimed that, didn't he? Do we know the quote? So the quote, I'm going to paraphrase it. I haven't got it directly in front of me, but it was along the lines of he said, like, we really wanted him. We actively chose Carvalho, and he's a good lad. He's got a good attitude. But then he came up against a challenge for his space. Competition and basically didn't, was it, didn't yeah. want to face the challenge of fighting yeah. for his place, right. basically is what he said. And he signed not that, that Savvy Simons from yeah. PSG. Yeah. He's like a wonder kid, isn't he? You know what mm. I mean? And so it's, it's an interesting one for, for him, Mike. But yeah, the whole, obviously the loan for Tyler Morton's going really well so far, isn't it, Dan? So there's a bit of hope for Carvalho in there. He goes straight into the team, plays 90 on his you know days after, after moving. 
does get an assist for, for Tyler Morton, but which is, I, I, I quote this again, speak to me, Dad. It's like when Curtis Jones got that assist for Salah, was I think is it maybe even like a City goal? The Man City one. Yeah, when he just beats like five players, like Curtis Jones, like yes, and I will take the assist for that. Thank you very much. Amazing. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, the Carvalho to Hull move is interesting. There's two schools of thought on it, really, for me. There's one which you've just alluded to there. Maybe it lends itself to not having a challenge for your first team place, but also does it speak to Carvalho facing the reality of the situation really and going I just need to play footy because mm-hmm. there was interest from Southampton Leeds I think Leicester even all at the top of the championship I think Wolves were keen on him as well in the Premier League so he could have gone to any of them and maybe sort of played a part in their squad and got minutes here and there but he's looked at that and gone that's not enough I've had a first half of the season with nigh on 300 minutes or whatever it is I need to play week in week out and to be one of the main guys and he's chosen Hull it looks like for that reason so credit to him for that and I think he just needs to reignite his career it's interesting how all the talk every time he gets mentioned in Liverpool circles remains Liverpool still see a future for him he's still part of their plans etc etc but yet now we're 18 months removed from signing him after chasing him for 6 months and it doesn't I don't know where he's going to fit eventually not quite sure what it looks like so it all feels like um, holding his value there that that yeah. to me just Liverpool being like we're not we're not going to tell everyone we don't want him because yeah. ultimately we think he's going to win putting it all back in the box isn't it put him back in the championship see if he can get a few goals his value will hopefully be there or thereabouts what we paid for him again and then you've got an interesting decision wasn't it mad when Harvey Elliott was booed by Fulham fans by the way believe it was 16 yeah. Yeah. they hold a grudge then Fulham fans don't yeah. they I've got no idea what that's about I mean to be honest it's a football club that once had a statue of Michael Jackson outside yeah. it so uh, yeah. the less said the better wow. um, right uh, plenty more Conversation, yeah, plenty, plenty more conversation from us to come on the Bias Football Podcast. Following straight after this on RedmanPlus.com, perfect opportunity to use your clop codes. Just saying, uh, we're going to be talking about the the fear instilled in the hearts of everyone by the return of Kevin De Bruyne uh, and more Everton misery. Just to balance things out in terms of happiness, uh, as Everton face another point deduction for breaking financial rules in the Premier League. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. Head to RedmanPlus.com. Join us for the Bias Football Podcast, and we'll see you over there. Tara. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.